Yeah. Uh, welcome to the Biscuit Podcast. Today we've got a new guest, and that is. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Victoria. Or Vic. Yeah. Well, well, before we get into the podcast, I just want to say a massive thanks to our sponsors, which are RuneSilk.com, they're a bird care company, and Tenga.co.uk, they're a sex toy company. So, both companies, if you put the code in Tin Biscuit, that's Tin Biscuit, capital T, capital B, at checkout, you get 10% off your first purchases. I've, I've done that. I will put all the information in the description. Also, I'll never charge for my content. It's always going to be free. The audio and YouTube, there'll be no Patreon. So if you want to subs- um, subscribe, if you want to make a donation or um, support the podcast, you can do through PayPal to the Tin Biscuit Podcast 3 at gmail.com. That's the Tin Biscuit Podcast 3 at gmail.com. The Tin Biscuit I tell you what, <laughs> I'll put all the information down in like the I always always. Anyway, thank you for coming on. Um today I want to talk about because you put something on your Instagram. I did, yes. About, and it was about being brought up in care. Yep. And you wear horror stories of being brought up in care, like sort of if like you don't behave, you go in to the orphanage, things like this, you like just get a sense. It's probably me. I'm just having like a big workhouse or Oliver Twist or something like that. But it's stigma though, isn't it? I think I think if I wasn't brought up in care, I think I'd have had that um, stigma as well. Because I think you do. I think people think, oh, I was brought up and I was Annie and I must have been singing songs and I was cleaning or I was Oliver Twist, you know, and I was eating gruel or something like that. Um, but it was so I mean I make I think when I'd done the post originally I'd seen it on something else and I was at work and I was talking to someone about it because a lot of reaction is and it's always the first thing you don't look like you're in care and I think oh right well what does that look like I don't you're with me you don't and then I think it's a thing a lot of people go, oh, well, you don't look like you you were in care. And I thought, well, what, what does that look like? You know? And that's, that's about now as well. What does that look like? And I think, I suppose it doesn't look like anything. It's the same if you was brought up with a single parent, your, your nan, your granddad, and your aunt, and you turned and said to someone, oh, I was brought up by my dad or my mum. Nobody goes, oh, well, you don't look like you're brought up by your mum, do you? You know, it sort of, and that's where it escalated from then. I'd seen a post, and that's where I put it about the fact that I grew up in care. And I don't know, I think it, it is still that stigma, even to this day, that you don't hear people's stories, you don't hear um, sort of a nice side of it. You know, I'm not saying it was all perfect and it was all rosy and. You know, I had the best time and it was wonderful. It was, you know, I've picked, you know, I probably picked the better memories and anything that I did have, you know, that was sad or was upset, you know, you sort of kind of put it to the back of my mind, you know, because it wasn't always perfect. It wasn't always wonderful. You know, you'd have children saying stuff to you and stuff like that, but I still think that, there is and maybe for a long time there's always going to be that stigma of if you grew up in care you must have either been annie or oliver right, with can me. i just ask being yep. in care would mean sort of like a tracy beaker scenario maybe yes. being fostered or being adopted it's yep. three things that might come into it which one was you and obviously only talk about the things you want to well, talk about we Oh, I'll talk about anything. So when we when we first went into care, now I don't know how the care system works in general. I can only go off what I know. So when we was put into care, we was put under social services care. So that means I was under social social services care till I was sixteen. So I couldn't just go if I said right, I wanted to go and live with my dad when I turned twelve. I couldn't or my mom or whatever. It meant either I was still with social services. Always was fostered. It was never real. An adoption was never really brought up. If it was, I don't remember it. 
So when we moved in, we moved into a little place called Easton Clough, which is a temporary base for a lot of children until, you know, they find a children's home or they find foster parents. You're with me. Or you went back to a parent or you moved to a nan and granddad. So we were fostered for a while and I think about six months. And something happened, which I'm not 100% entirely sure whatever happened. But this couple, they did foster us and they had other foster children as well. So they've been well known, they've fostered for years. In fact, I think they took a foster child and ended up adopting her. So we were fostered for about six months and then something happened. So we were brought back to the same place. So they did try to foster us again. But because my dad wanted the three of us to be fostered, because my brother and sister are twins, you see. And a lot of people will just go right. Well, we'll take the twins, foster them. We'll find, you know, maybe myself, another foster parents. Well, my dad was like, if you're going to foster, you take all three. So that's what they tried to do. And it is a little bit more difficult to find foster parents, find foster parents that for three children, especially as we were starting to be like 10, 12. So we were getting more teenager and you know they do even now because I, I know a couple of customers where I work who foster a lot of people don't take a lot of adults on or a lot of teenagers for whatever reason and prefer children so we were fostered and it didn't work out unfortunately so we were put back into the place where I was which was called it Easton Club we were there for about another four months until some rooms came spare at my children's home and then we went put into a children's home. I was in there till I was 19. I was due to turn 20 that year. So I was there for about maybe eight, nine years. So, um, yeah, so I, I don't know how the whole fostering system works as such. Because I think when you are younger, you don't really sort of pay attention to what's going on and what's going around you. Um, and it just eventually became the norm. You know, it was normal life, the best that it could be. There was times where it was a diff- bit difficult, but for us, um, it didn't work out. It was one of those things. So luckily, thank God, we moved into a children's home that, you know, that the staff did care about us, genuinely loved us, and brought as much normality as you could for a teenager you're with me so like how old was you and how old was the right. twins when Funnily enough, I, I was nine I was <laughs> sounds weird again I, I was due to turn 10 that year so I think we went in about May so I was still nine so my brother and sister were seven so they're two years younger than me so I don't know how much memory they have um being a lot younger than I did um because where we moved it was it was really weird because I had this conversation with my dad the other week when we moved into Eastern Club so I remember the day specific day it was on a Wednesday and um I was gonna have spaghetti bolognese, spaghetti bolognese for tea at home I'll always remember that and I just remember it being on a Wednesday and I remember um the social services coming to see my dad and they were called Julian and Holly and I remember my dad was talking for him for ages and then we had to pick up some stuff getting and I remember I burst into tears because I thought I was going to boarding school because I was convinced to my dad that I was going to board I used to fall out with brother and sister all the time so I used to say right I'm going to boarding school that's it I'm leaving I'm going and I generally thought that's where I was going and I was heartbroken because I was like, please don't send me to boarding school. I'll be good, I promise. So I remember when we got to Easton Clough, and I don't remember much. I just remember um, putting on this pink dressing gown, this fluffy pink dressing gown, and my dad phoning me. Um, And I don't remember much about the conversation. I can remember his voice croaking, you know, trying not to cry, bless him um and it sort of and then you sort of settled in so it took me about a month or so 
because I remember being really upset and I remember like cause my mum and dad um divorced when I was six you see so for three years we we were living with my dad um my mum decided to leave and move on so it was just me my brother and sister and my dad so I remember thinking oh I wish my mum and dad would get back together get back together get back together and it'll all be all right um and sort of eventually we did sort of settle in and you mixed with other kids because obviously there was a lot of other children from many different backgrounds how many, me children, my, so, sorry, how, like many children was there in the home as well as you three so probably about maybe nine or ten including us ish because the place where we stayed it wasn't a place you were staying forever it was just a temporary base so children a lot of children would then go into different children's home or like I said go into foster parents or maybe even sort of maybe even move out and go and live on their own because this house um when I if I remember underneath had flats as well so you know older children say about 16 17 could live there and be sort of independent you know if you weren't because when you turn 16 you could go and live on your own if you wanted to you know they try and help support and financial for you and I remember thinking at 16 I ain't moving out on my own I'm 36 now can't even look after myself never mind 16 so (laughs) I was like nah I ain't I ain't doing that I ain't so for a lot of children they could if they wanted to so I remember being there must have been at least 10 maybe 12 ish because you've got you've got to bear in mind um they had like they called it wings so it was just like a corridor and one side was the male side one side was the female side oh so you were separated then yeah you know the room with my brother I was sharing a room with my sister which my sister hated um or you could like eventually I had my own room and my sister shared a room with another female living there so you know that was separated and whatnot but I just remember being so fun it was so fun um we were constantly we were entertained all the time we went out we sang songs we painted um I just remember being at the best time and I know and it's like I know now if I was living at home with my dad I wouldn't have had the same opportunities or the same things as I would living in care and I and I probably do it probably does sound like wow it it just was it and I think simply because the fact that a lot of children were damaged a lot of children came from a very rough background um you know and we came from a pretty normal whatever a normal normal lease but a normal background had a mum and dad can they i did, um, yeah why why like, did you go into care and is that all right to ask so, there was a little bit of an accusation made unfortunately that wasn't true but um for for my dad i think being a single dad because he was he was a single dad um I think it was the right thing for him me looking back if I if you'd asked me 20 years ago I'd probably been a bit more upset and a bit no I couldn't talk about it but now I look back and I think it was the right thing for my dad because he was because it was still the early 90s um my dad was a workaholic he worked all his life you know right up until he retired and I think my dad would have struggled I think my dad would have struggled um, looking after the three of us um, and it helped us. It shaped sort of the woman that I am because it allowed my dad to have other female influence because talking to my dad about sex now, I can't even word, mention the word sex. So being 11 and 12 and having to talk to him about the birds and the bees, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd have been mortified. I'd have been absolutely mortified. So I think for my dad to allow social services to take us into care was was the right thing for him because I think it just because I saw my dad all the time that and that's the thing it worked like I didn't have to 
you know, my dad was ever shamed or or anything like that. You know, we were three good kids that through no fault, I don't really blame my dad, so there's no through fault of my dad for my own. I think it just helped him. It eased a lot of his worries, I think, and a lot of his pressures that he thought, you know, I'm having to look after three children, not a lot of money coming in, you know. He had, obviously, we had a couple of neighbours that would try and help him, whatever. But, yeah, no, I think it was the right thing for him. Dude, like, you still get to see your dad then, even though... I see him all, yeah, I saw him all the time. All the time, if I was seeing him, I was on the phone to him. He'd come round, he'd be round for tea, he'd be round for dinner. It'd be somebody's birthday party, it'd be Easter, Christmas, Halloween. So, as well, did did you ever go to his? No, I couldn't now. That was a difference because I was under social services care. It meant um, technically I couldn't just pop off to my dad's. If I had to, I had to take my social worker or a key worker or a member of staff. So I couldn't just go around. When I was 16, that was lifted. So that meant if I wanted to visit my dad, I could if I want, which I did. When I turned 16, I'd left school. So I was going to college. So I was a lot more free, a little bit more independent. So I could go and just stay at my dad's without it being a problem. But prior to that, um, if I wanted to go and visit my dad, um, I would have a member of staff would have to come with me. But, but like your dad was fine for you? Say that Sorry. again. Your dad was fine coming to see you? Oh, yeah, all the time. Literally all the time. Like I said, because obviously then he started working, so I couldn't just go and see him. He couldn't just come see us every day. But he finished work, he'd phone us, check how we are, make sure we're all right. He was included, and that was a good thing, that he was including things as well, so he didn't feel like he was shunned or, you know, this accusation was made, oh, you're a bad man, stay away. It wasn't. It was included in it, and which for us was a good thing. So I did see my dad all the time, and I did, you know, so I didn't just have staff. I had a dad as well. So it was like extended parents. You know, any decision that was made would also my dad would be included. Oh, that's a good. Yeah. Do do you do when you see your mum within that time frame? Do you still right. see your mum now, or? I don't see my mum as much. And unfortunately, I'm not as close-ish to my mum. I wish I was, but we're not. So I did see my mum when I could. um, Because I don't know with my mum. I always... um, It's a bit strange because she would say she would come and then something would happen. So you go, all right, okay. But I was allowed to go and visit her as well. I didn't need a member of staff to go and see my mum. So often I'd either go and visit her on my own or I'd usually go with my sister or my brother, whichever one wanted to come visit her, you know, because, again, we were turning into teens. My brother and sister were a bit like, well, I suppose I've got to go and visit mum. You know, often when my dad would come round, they would go and do their own thing. So I would sit and watch telly with my dad, you know, and, and things like that, because they were like, oh, I don't really want to sit and watch telly with dad. I want to be out with my mates. Whereas with me, I'd be like, yeah, of course, yeah. I'll go and sit with dad, you know, because I, I didn't want him to think he was on his own, you know. <laughs> so even though there was other children around and whatever, or staff in the living room and stuff, I always thought, no, I have to go and sit and watch telly with my dad. You know, even though I, I wanted to go upstairs, be in my own room or whatever. But So I didn't see my mum as much. Um, as I suppose as we could as I would like because often she would either let us down or I would I just got to a stage where I don't really want to go to my mum's now you know and eventually she moved when I was about 15 16 she moved with her now husband down to Leicester so that made it a bit more difficult um and then she moved over to Ireland then and she's been in Ireland about maybe 14 15 years now Going back to being in care, when when you went to school, what did yeah. the other school kids that was like to you being in care? Um, so I remember, um, so it was a bit difficult because I think back then kids 
knew about a children's home and knew, like you said at the beginning, that some children thought, oh, if you go to care, you're going to be because you were bad or your parents were threatening you. If you carry on, I'm going to put you in a home and stuff. So kids could be bloody ruthless and could be quite mean because I used to be very defensive and you'd have kids go well where's your mum where's your dad and I'd be like well they're at home where do you think they are you know where else are they going to be or I'd be like oh they're at work I'm like I don't know I'm not so I used to be really defensive um and that was hard to take and then eventually you learn to just let it go over your head because I'd be like well I'm not, I'm not I don't know if I'm allowed to swear but well, you know the beep um and I just learned to go if they're gonna ask they're gonna ask you know don't be ashamed don't be afraid because it's I think it's human nature isn't it to to want to know things about certain things because like I said there is there is that stigma of children's home must be cruel must be mean you know must be nasty or you must have had such a traumatic childhood or your parents weren't right or you know or whatever and it wasn't I was a normal kid that you know my dad was lucky enough to have people to look after us but it was I remember my, I think my brother insist especially my brother probably got more stick more out of everybody because he was quite quiet is my brother and quite shy Whereas me and my sister aren't, we're gobby, we'll tell people to jog on, we don't care. That's from Yorkshire up north. <laughs> don't say Yorkshire, do you know what, I'm not going to that, I am Lancashire, but it's not Yorkshire. No offence to people of Yorkshire, or anyone listening, no offence, <laughs> but Lancashire, we are the best, that's all I'm going to say. So no, my whole brother probably got a lot more stick than we did, because you just learnt to grow thick skin. You know, you learn not to go, well, actually, there's no shame in it. There's no nothing. I remember, and it, I think it's because I was thinking about this the other day, it's a Mamas and Papas song, and people used to sing it and go, you know, that's, and it went, where's your mama gone? And I'd be like, well, I don't know where my mum is because I'm not her keeper. That I'm assuming she's a poem or wherever. And typical they, kids. And to you. Yeah, typical no. kids, horrible. Yeah, and it was upsetting. And you used to go home and you used to cry because you used to think, well, why are they being so... What have I ever done to these people? And I learned to go, it's just insecurity. Just ignore them. Because I used to get told, just ignore them. Because I want I want to retaliate. I want to defend where I was living. You know, and as I got to high school or secondary school, not everybody knew. I had a best friend who knew, and I was lucky enough because because I was under social services care. I couldn't just go and stop at a friend's. Anybody that I could, if I had to stop, had to be police checked. Which you can imagine if you're 14 years old and your friend saying, "Yeah, you come round," and I'd be like, "Yeah, of course," but your mum and dad have to be police checked, and anybody over 16 has to be police checked. That okay? And they'd be like, "Ah." So luckily, my friends. Um, dad was a fireman and stuff so I think he'd already been pleased so it wasn't too bad so I could go and stay at hers so luckily I had a best friend at the time who understood you know and you know she was inquisitive I remember she would ask questions and stuff but other people didn't know until unless I said or they found out or whatever you know, and it was hard to begin with because, like I said, children can be cruel. But I just think it's down to inquisitive people. Nervousness as well that, oh, well, you know, oh, you know, there must be something wrong with her. And I was like, well, there is. I'm not all there. But other than that, you know. That's because you're from Lancashire. Yes, that's because we're from Lancashire. We're all not writing as heads. But it's just, no, children can be cruel. Children can be cruel when they want to be. Because it's like people as well, like, might be a bit like lights out at half nine, lights out at ten. Yeah. What's, what sort of activities you like? mentioned before you did painting, right. you so, around. What time was bedtime? What time was right. meal time? So Did you cook yourself? 
it's a funny story. It's not funny, ha ha. So when I moved from Eastern Clough, I moved to the Haven. That's the children's home. It was completely different because Eastern Clough was it was more entertaining. Right, we used to go out in a yellow bus. We had this yellow bus, and we'd sing songs and everything. And there was this one particular lady. She was called Angela, and she loved Tom Cruise. She adored him. And we were forever singing songs. We were forever doing something that we constantly felt like you were constantly entertained. So as soon as we moved to the Haven, it like it all changed. It's like we couldn't just go out on a bus. We couldn't just go and start playing games or you know painting or you know going for what. It just it was like this suddenly big, like this big shock, like. Um, it was very normal, like you could just sit and you could watch telly, you know, or you could go and chill out in your bedroom or whatever. Um, they weren't really, it was just like a normal teenager, you know, you come home from work, uh, from work, from school, you know, you'd hang your coat up, don't just chuck your coat on the floor or your shoes or whatever, you go and hang it up, change into normal clothes, go and watch telly, do your own work. You'd have your, you'd have tea, because I, I call it dinner because I live in Birmingham now, so it's dinner. But it's tea. You'd have your tea. You weren't allowed the telly on. You had to turn the telly off while you eat your tea. Then you'd maybe watch a bit more telly. So you'd watch your Coronation Street, your Emmerdale. So bedtime probably would have been about nine, half nine-ish. As you got older, maybe at the weekend, you could stay up till ten. But I was I was in bed for about half past seven. I was the most boring teenager. There was known to man. I really was. I weren't anything exciting as a teen I would often be in bed from about half past seven and then I'd get up for seven you know to go to school to get showered and everything but yeah that was it It, and it was a big it was a hell of a shock because it just suddenly became all fun and all exciting and everything like that to nothing it felt like nothing and you're like oh all right well, well okay and it was, it took a while to get used to that, to get used to sort of just being a very normal kid. You know, obviously there was other children in there and I had my brother and sister. But relatively speaking, it just became sort of the norm. You know, children still asked and stuff like that, which didn't then eventually didn't bother me. But yeah, I would go to, you know, we had to go to school. I had no choice. It weren't. You know, if I wanted an education or I wanted to do something like you went to school, you know, if you wanted to go to co- you had to go to college, if you wanted any. And that's how it then became. What was your relationship like with the other children? in the um, So I, I would I, I fall out with any because I'm too opinionated. I've got the biggest gob in the universe. So I would often probably fall out with people because. Um, if I don't like something or I think something's wrong, I've got I've got to speak. I, I can't just learn to shut up. I just don't have a mute button, as this podcast is going to tell you. I just don't have a mute button. So um, I remember my brother was getting picked on by some by by a boy, and this boy just didn't seem to like my brother for whatever reason. And it got to a point I was going to physically knock him out. I generally and I remember he had a brother and sister with this boy. And I can't remember his name. I remember his sister's name was Jasmine, but I think that's that's all I remember. All I remember. And this, I think this boy had a lot of problems, and he just didn't seem to get on with my brother at all. Um, and I remember he'd start calling names, and I defend my brother, and I defend my sister, and I would, I'd go want to just attack him and stuff like that because I was just like leave my brother alone you know just let him be he's not doing anything he's not harming anyone you know and I used to be but I was known as the Rottweiler because <laughs> I was I was I would growl because I just but then I just think it's hormones and emotions and everything like that I was being a teenager I was a you know a young girl and whatever you know so but also on the other hand I did like to keep myself to myself as well because I, I couldn't just like I say I couldn't just go and nip and 
um stay at a friend's overnight or whatever I could go and see friends and come home you know I could go out you know stop out for tea and stuff like that but yeah so um I got on all right with people that doesn't convince you uh so I just half the time I just tend to keep myself to myself more than anything yeah what one question I want to ask you is like tea times and dinner times did like you all sit down at a table so we had we had two living rooms in our home <laughs> so no we had a dining room table we did and we did try to sit um with us all and we had we had tea together staff would make the tea um and whatnot and it was just you know 90s food you know like for me it was cheese and onion pie chips and beans that is the best dinner of all times um you well, know we'd have to- i'm not sure about that but we can talk about <laughs> that later on uh in it but yeah we did and we had to turn the telly off and weren't allowed to watch telly uh, we had chores as well you know some would have to load the dishwasher unload it or peel potatoes or take the rubbish out you know so they did try to incorporate things so that you know we knew the basics of things yeah so you know that eventually you know, I knew how to learn how to load and unload a dishwasher, and I still don't. My partner still has a go at Well, didn't have a go at me, but he tends to load because I don't put it right. And I'm like, cup's the cup, just go in. You know, it's not the end of the world. But, you know, so clearly I was never that good and should be ashamed of themselves for it. It um, sounds like the horror stories of my yeah. children's home are just like, sort of like an urban legend. I wouldn't say an urban legend um, because that one, I don't want to say it wouldn't be fair. I just see it as for us, we were very fortunate kids. You know, we were, you know, because like I say, we came from a normalish background. Just unfortunately, circumstances meant that for my dad and for my mum in a lot of ways, it helped my dad because, like I said, if I'd have just stayed, lived with my dad, I think I'd have been more male-dominated thinking and a more, I think, having female influence sort of does help you and it shaped the woman that I am today. It, um, you know, it gave me that confidence because, like a lot of women, we're not always confident and we're not. And sometimes, you know, I do come across as confident, but inside I'm trembling and I'm like, and I know that, Sometimes I do say things and I sit because and I don't have a filter half the time. So I think I'm lucky that I had other female influence that helped us. You know, there is a lot of children out there that, you know, came from a background, say, maybe of drugs or drink that were just put into social services care and maybe go on to foster care and you know and it didn't work out and that's sad that's really sad you know and it does break your heart to think you know we I would look I used to go on holiday every year we went to Skegness we went to um, Butlins every year you know and we would have you know they'd save up and we'd have holiday clothes and holiday money and you know and stuff like that and if you speak to someone that grew up in with a mum and dad and maybe not went on holiday every year, maybe not could afford it or whatever. But we did. We did go on holiday every year, which was a little bit awkward, I suppose, in some ways, because, you know, because there was, like, say, eight children and usually about four members of staff that go um, with us, you know, that went and whatnot. So, you know, because often you'd have people look at you so we'd say, oh, it's Auntie Sue or Auntie Arlene or Uncle Sean. You know, we wouldn't just go, you're right, Sean. We'd often sometimes we'd say Auntie Sean, Auntie Sean, Auntie Sue or whatever. But, you know, I don't know many people that growing up would be able to say that. Whereas I did, you know, we'd often, like at Christmas, we'd go out for a Christmas dinner and, you know, we'd get Christmas money to buy Christmas clothes just so we could go out for the evening, you know. So it 
you know, like I say, we were very fortunate. It's just a, just a shame that you hear horror stories more about social services and they're not intervening at the right time. And, you know, often young children, and I'm when I say like babies or even toddlers, you know, there is that stigma that, you know, and I think it must be hard for people that work, who work in social services to say, well, when is the right time? Because it must have been my, my social workers at the time were Julian and Holly. It must have been heartbreaking to think we've got to take three children away from a parent. When I remember Julian, he had young daughters who were probably the same age as what I am at the time. And that must have been heartbreaking for him to think I'm having to take children away from someone so you know I just think um that sometimes it does sound all rosy and it does sound amazing it wasn't always you know but you know like I said I just feel that I was very fortunate and very very lucky that you know maybe I was in the right children's home you know and it was the right staff you know, because, you know, they generally loved and cared for us. Um, but at the same time, I was just, like I said, I've always, I'm just lucky, you know, that, you know, and I still have my brother and sister as well looking after, you know, not looking after, but they was there as well. Might have been totally different if I was on my own. What were Christmases like there on, like, Christmas Day? Right, so it depended with Christmas Day how many children were there, because some, Obviously, because it just depended on their background, their story, you know, what they um, they were to do. But often, like we used to, like I'm now 36 and I get so excited because I'm not even allowed to get up before 8 a.m. Right? I have to wait until to get up and do all that. So I remember um, it'd be about half six, seven o'clock that you could get up and you used to have a stocking on the door and it had like a tangerine and chocolates and sweets so I was allowed to open that I wasn't allowed to go downstairs until I got a knock on the door to say like Santa's here you know and whatnot then we went downstairs then they put all the bags and the presents in you know and you had to sit and we'd go around you know so maybe I start first then my brother then whoever else making it up now Chris and what and it just went round and didn't like that and that's how it was. Now, sometimes we'd have Christmas dinner because if there was enough of us, they'd make Christmas dinner. If there's only like maybe four of us and a couple of staff, we'd probably just have a buffet. We was always having a buffet. 90s were about buffets. Right? We always had a buffet for something. So Christmas dinner might have just been buffet. But on Boxing Day, we might have had Christmas dinner because there might have been more children back then. So it was easier. But Christmas was fun. I love. I still love Christmas. Still love Christmas, you know. And my dad would be round Christmas afternoon, and he'd be round for dinner, or if he was working, maybe he would phone me and whatnot. But yeah, Christmas was so much fun. I loved Christmas. Still love Christmas. Christmas is a good time. Maybe not this year, but <laughs> not, maybe um, not this year. But um, I think you've got to try and make it as special because I mean it's just me and my partner for Christmas and it always is every year so we make it as special as we can so I suppose it's different if you have family that you normally see and you've got or whatever so no it'll be different this year for a lot of people how do you think yeah how do you think it shapes you as as a person because you're very confident you're always happy on the mic your Instagram this is one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on through living yeah. from care homes, yeah. coming into the person you are, you don't seem to let anything get to you. You always uh, seem to be. But do you, do you, do you think it shaped you? As you mentioned before at the beginning, you got like confidence. I think it did. Probably, yeah. I, I, half the time I come across as confident, but I'm, you know, like a duck. It's just swimming along, but underneath it's panicking. That is me half the time because I am quite an anxious person. I just don't always tend to show it. Um, so, yeah, I suppose in a lot of ways it did give me that, because I had that female influence. You know, I had female staff 
so that I didn't just have one I had I think there were about six or seven different females if I remember rightly so I was lucky enough that when I, I look I was looking up to people because I was close with one and she was called Sue and I still talk to her now she lives in Australia she emigrated out there um and I still talk to her every so often make sure she's all right and family that's all right and I was close to so she was like a mum figure to me you know and I absolutely adored I just we were like two peas in a bloody pod we really were um wherever I went wherever she went I went you know that's just because I just adored her and she, like I say she was a very much a mum figure in my life um so if I had any issues when I would I could go and talk to her I do tend to gravitate towards women and look for influencers I think because of the fact that um because I suppose it probably goes back to my mum and my mum not always being there so finding other substitutes in life to do with women and you know the way I look up to but I try to be confident because I think I look at it this way. There's always something. Somebody's always worse off than you. There's always someone worse off than you. And I think my I'm lucky that my life wasn't as bad as a lot of people out there. And I mean, a lot of people are suffering. A lot of people are, you know, got a day left. And I just think, you know, we, sh- we should be lucky with what we've got and appreciate what we've got. And I think if anything, this year's taught us that, you know, appreciate what we've got. So I think, you know, this year especially, you learn to be grateful. And that's what I do. I try to be grateful about things. Have you ever thought, because you said you like look up to people. Yeah. Like, and have you ever thought about trying to be the influencer and going to talk to people in care and giving talks about it and like say it's not all bad? Because like... <laughs> I don't know I suppose I could I've never really thought about it because um I don't really talk about it enough on day-to-day running of life like I said I have a cut two customers who foster children and I'm often serving them and I'll talk about how's the children you know and she, even she said because like I say people often look and first thing he says you don't look like you're in care and I'm like what does that look like you know and I think because people do genuinely think and I'm like look at me I eat you can tell I eat food obviously so it definitely weren't blooming Oliver and I definitely um didn't go on to be with a rich man otherwise there's something out there that I don't know about or my dad's lying to me um so and that just amuses me. It amuses me more now because I'm like, please don't feel sorry for me because it's not intentional. I don't want you to feel sorry for me because there's nothing to feel sorry for. That's how I try to look at it. I think when people say you don't look like you've been in care, I think that's sort of the stigma attached, attached to it. And I think that's maybe why you should go on and be the influencer and yeah. start untagging the um, stigma start helping people because I a you know you're good for it like talking b you're always positive so I think that might be a good outlet for you you have to be positive though because um like I said there's always someone else worse off in you in life and you could sit at home and I could sit at home and go I was brought up in care and this happened and that happened and oh poor me and I just think no I, you shouldn't you should, shouldn't be like that it shouldn't try I always think you should try and take a negative into a positive and it should be and like I say it does sadden me when I hear stories about social services and you know social services aren't doing this and aren't doing that and I think nowadays probably is a lot of pressure around social services because like I say there's still a lot of people out there that um, need a home and need care but actually like you say just need reassurance that actually things are all right, things are going to be okay. You know, you just, you have to sort of just toughen up a little bit and go, right, okay, well, let's do this. Let's, you know, let's get on with life, you know, go to school, go to college, you know, or whatever it is that you want to do in life. Just, you know, go for it because 
that's how life should be. You should just yeah. take any opportunity you can and just do it to the best you can. I mean, I do think, and I keep going on about it, that like you should start being more of an influencer than looking up yeah. because, like, A, you suffer from anxiety, so B, you've been there, you yeah. know how to deal with it, and, you know, you can like, sort of talk it real. I mean, yeah. I could say, I mean, I do suffer from anxiety and depression, so I can talk about that, but I couldn't talk about living in care. I, yeah. I like to say, well, this is what I think it would be like, but you've actually lived the life. Yeah. And like, I think people need reassurance, maybe, in this day and age, and you may have found your... Say, look, you know what? The, many people are in care for many different reasons. And, you know, and it, it is sad. It's, it just breaks your heart. Um, but, you know, and I just don't think people in care, you don't hear about it enough. That's the thing. There's not enough out there with it to, to talk about it. And a lot of people don't talk because they, maybe because they feel ashamed, you know. You know, feeling shape, thinking, oh, well, people are going to look at me as if, like, oh, my back was, yeah, or yeah. go, oh, your mum or your dad must have been horrible, must have been absolutely nasty to do that. And it's like, and that's a shame. That is a real shame because there might be many children's home where, you know, the staff weren't as friendly or they didn't come across as they cared. I don't know, but there's thousands of other children's homes that that staff did genuinely care and love love a child, um, and even down to social workers, because that must be a hard thing to be to detach yourself from it as well. Because imagine, you know, if you you know you get a case where you know you have to go and see a child who's maybe being abused or their parents are on drugs or alcohol, and you're having to put yourself in that situation and you're having to go, well, how do I deal with that? How, how's, you know, and you, you do, and when you hear stories like that, you think, yeah, even now, even me, if someone was to say to me, right, I need you to go and, be, you know, what do you do? You know, is there a right, is there a wrong way of dealing with it? You know, and it's one of those things where, I just think to myself, you know, you have to try and you've got to do right what you think with the child. So do you take what you think is right for the child? Do you take what you think is right from what the parent thinks? And I think that must be hard. But like I say, because the fact, actually, there isn't much of a platform out there about care and about the care system. There is about social services, Mm. but there's much because I think people sort of shun that idea and oh well if you grew up in care you must have been naughty or you must have been well I have my I have my days granted yeah like most children you know probably test a couple of people's patients and you know like I says I will often argue about something but usually when I'm arguing apparently because I'm wrong but you know I think everybody else is wrong but you know so whenever I used to argue, used to, they used to say, oh, it's because you're wrong, that's why you should. And I'm like, no, just don't be a div and then life will be all right, won't it? But, you know, so that's why I suppose um, I often would tell somebody off or whatever. And I still do now. I still tell people off now when I'm 36 because I think I don't give a bottom, you know. So No, I think, I think you should definitely think about that seriously think about going in and might you know maybe talking to people and I think I would but my job consists of me being in my job 24 hours seven days a week so me talking to you now is a luxury because usually um I can guarantee someone's messaged me about work or some you know so my life is com- consumed around work so sometimes it's nice and refreshing actually just to talk to someone about something. And, you know, and I don't want anyone, and that's what I said, from this, I don't want anyone to think, oh, bless, oh, oh, poor thing, because I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. Yeah, it's... What... Sorry, sorry, I was say, that's like one reason why I wanted to get you on, because A, of the stigma to it, and B, yeah. such a happy person, 
it's like it all can't be bad and yes it's, and it's something like maybe a bit um a bit taboo people don't really want to think about or talk about it because it's like they're really because there's not enough there's not enough out there yes you hear about people you know famous people that you know grew up in care or foster care but there's not a lot of like nowadays that a lot of people that were brought up in care that you hear about and it is a shame because I don't want people to think well oh you should be ashamed or your dad or your mum or this or that should be ashamed because you know they've had to place you in care for whatever reason because I think for a lot of parents they might have had to place a child in care for a reason and you know my dad did it in a, in a sense to help him to help him um for him it, like I say it was the right thing for him because he would have struggled he he doesn't know how to, he can't even cook now and he's 70 the boat just bungs things in a microwave over an oven and obsesses about time until it's cooked so being 13 14 having him try and cook a meal Jesus Christ so I just think to myself my dad was very lucky. My dad was extremely lucky. But I just want people to understand that, you know, as much as I, I make it out as though it's rosy, and, you know, I will have had times where it wasn't, you know, and um, times where I did feel alone, I did feel down, and I did feel alone because I couldn't necessarily just go and visit friends whenever I wanted or, Guns. So I miss the sense, I miss being able to stop over at other people's houses. You know, I couldn't just go and stop at this friend's house or that friend's house, you know, like everybody else could, you know. So I miss things like that. Um, yes, I got to see friends and I got to go into town and I got to spend my pocket money and whatnot, you know. But, you know, I was never a teenager that, you know, some teenagers will go out drinking and do all that. I never did anything like that. I don't smoke. I drink, but I never smoked. And, you know, I think some people saw me as a bit of a goody-goody, you know, and it's like, oh, I'd go home and I'd do my homework. But people didn't realise I would struggle doing my homework. So whenever I did it, I would struggle, but I did it because it was out of the way and it was done, so I didn't have to worry about it. And And it's things like that that what I do now, I did as a teenager. You know, that I go, well, I'll do it now so it's out of the way, so it's done, so I don't have to worry about because I, I will, I'll worry and I'll stress and I'll, um, you know, about things that, th- that I think, well, why am I worrying about it now? Because that means I'm just then going to worry about it again. So that's double of what. So I'm learning just to go, right, okay, well, it will be, it will be. We'll just get on with it. And that's what, you know, I just want people to understand that. It's not always, it wasn't always rosy and happy and smiling, you know. Not that we burst into musicals or anything, you know. I had times and I had my days where it was tough. But like I say, it's just a shame that actually you don't hear about the good side of things and hear that, you know, I'm still here and I work. Um, I have a partner and I have a roof over my head, you know, I see my dad. I message my mum every so often, you know, see my brother or I see my sister, you know. It's, you know, like I say, it, I suppose it did me the world of good because I think it did, it did shape the person that I am today about things. So, like I say, and I always say this, I'm just, I've been, well, I was very lucky, very, very lucky. That's good. Well, thanks for coming on. It's been it's, and it's been very eye opening. I just want to say sorry about the um the mess up at the beginning. No, it's not. <laughs> so it's too much to remember. It's too much to remember. Uh, how and how are you getting on with the lockdown and everything? Have you haven't you found out what tier you're in yet? It's Birmingham, isn't it? So it's tier three. I think we're in tier. Well, I've been working throughout all of it. Um, my partner, um, he's um working from home at the moment so I've had to come upstairs bless him so he's been working from home the only sad thing is I've not been able to see my dad because usually I go and see my dad 
And as you well know, you follow me on Instagram and you'll know that I post. Usually I'm WhatsApping him and I record his voice. If I'm on my tablet, I record or I take screenshots. The videos, yeah. Yeah, it's the videos because and we'll chat for an hour. So I'll finish talking to you, then I'll go downstairs and I'll chat to my dad. And it's usually about an hour. So, but I miss seeing him, miss sitting, sitting yeah. on because we tend to watch the same things. It's always NCIS. You know, I'm a huge American TV show girl. You know, so I'm all sit and or we'll pause it and we'll chat for a half an hour and then play it again and chat again. Can't watch a full program in my dad's house. Blood, thank God for the pause button. Thank God that was invented because you can't watch anything. <laughs> um, so I miss I've missed that because I've not been able to see him. Um, so that's been hard because it's been about a year now. So I'm hoping next year through maybe April, June, I'll get to see him. But luckily, modern technology, he's learned how to use WhatsApp. He's learned how to video call. He's learned to tell every man and his dog that you can video call. Now you can WhatsApp people. So um, it's been tough. And it's tough. Like I say, I work at, I work at Asda. So um, that's been tough. But you just get through it. You've just got to keep going through yeah. it. Well, you have to. As I say, to like sort of tier three, all shops are open now. It's just the um, pubs and the restaurants that are going to suffer, I think, in tier three. Yeah, which is a shame because my sister works, my brother and sister work in a pub. So it's a shame for them. We can do um, takeouts though. Pardon? I'm, 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 I think, well, no, I don't think. I know, but we can do takeouts though. Yeah, well, my sister's pub, um, which is name I don't know, it's, I think it's the Cross Gate, I think. They're actually doing takeaway deliveries, bless them. And they're, if memory serves me, because my memory's rubbish, um, they're actually going to be doing, like, you remember the milk cartons that you used to get? Oh, you're too young, you're too young. Uh, we, we'll go with that. You're too young. You were, you're only 21. We used to have milk oh, cartons. We'll go, we'll go with 21. You're 21, 21. okay, do that. <laughs> Um, they're doing cartons for like, because I think they're famous for their ale and cider. So they're actually going to sell that off as well. Um, and they, like I said, they're doing takeaway deliveries like Sunday roasts and stuff like that to try and, um, to try and get them through. Yeah. Um, you know, and it is a, it's a shame because that's why I keep saying I have to be so grateful. I'm so grateful. As much as I'm not, I'm not loving my job and whatnot um and it has been tough it really is tough you know I'm grateful I'm in a job at the moment and that I can still get up and I can still go to work it might be a different story tomorrow if you come back to me tomorrow and ask me it might be a completely different story but right yeah. now I'm grateful and I think I know exactly what you're feeling <laughs> you have to be though you have to be grateful for what we've got and it is hard it is tough especially if you've not been able to see family members or if a family member's passed away and you can't go to their funeral, that must be tough. That must be hella tough, and I can't imagine that. No. But I think you've still got to keep going. We've still got to keep going. And I think that's the great thing about being British, is that we've still got that mentality going, let's keep going, let's keep going, come on, we can do this. Definitely. And you've got to tell yourself and other people, come on, come on, let's do this. Yeah, well, I think you should definitely um, have a look out getting to be an influencer or um what's the word i'm looking for a, a positive speaker a positive to, um, like, yeah about being about going to care and fostering and adopting just you know because there's bound yeah. to be people that are worried about it all and i think i'm, I'm you know i think they do well doing it yeah i'll have to I'll have, i will i will try and look into it after christmas but if anybody is listening and they are in care or they have been in care my best advice don't be ashamed don't feel mm. and also i just don't want people to think oh well you must feel sorry for us because that's not the case i don't want some people, people will use that yeah so, like sort of some people will use their own self-pity to try and gain a bit of but like yeah. again well, the reason why i wanted you on is because you're not like that you're very fuck you i'm going to do what i want to do and you're very level-headed and very get in there and do it 
why would you why would I want anybody to because there's I can say there's always somebody else who's had um a childhood that is so traumatized you think how have they got through that how can and I think you have to because there's always like there's always something you know in life that you think all right okay so I maybe I did right okay well I'm not going to let that defeat me I'm going to do and that's how it should and that's how it should be and that is because you learn over the years to go well hang on a minute you're lucky you look at you. You look at you. Still here, Vic. You look at you've got to made to thirty six. You know, other people out there that don't. And the other reason I like really like your attitude is because like you haven't got no. Um, I just had it in my head and I completely forgot. You've even got self responsibility. You, you seem to not blame anyone else. You seem to be like, that's it. I'm not going to blame it. I've got to get on. This I, suppose, wait, I suppose if you'd ask if someone's to ask me fifty. <laughs> Maybe even younger. I think I remember I blamed my mum. I blamed my mum for a while. And I think my brother still does in a lot of ways. Um, and some switched when I was 15 and I just went, nah, nah, stop blaming people. Stop. You're still here. You're still living in children's home, Vic. It ain't going to change. You know this. You know, you know you're going to be here till you're 16. So, you know, let's, let's get on with it. Let's. Stop self-pitying, and I probably did. Probably when I was a teenager, I was a bit maybe, but now, what's the point? What's the point in feeling sorry for yourself? What's the point for me personally? You know, I don't want to be like that, and I didn't want people to go, oh, oh, bless, oh, because oh. there was nothing to feel sorry for me for, because like I said, my childhood weren't that traumatic that I don't think that you know you thought, oh well, no wonder she went into care. So I learned to go, well, hang on a minute. Let's not feel sorry for us. Let's go, well, actually, you know, you were brought up. You still have people around. You still have people that cared and loved you and that wanted. And that's the thing, that I'd still had people that cared for me. You know, I never truly, I've never truly ever been on my own or ever been alone or anything like that because I've always had people around. You know, when I was 19, then when they moved in with my dad, um that's that was a fun experience for about six years until I moved in with my partner um oh, so, so, so like you did leave yes so nineteen. you lived with your dad when I was 19 because when I was 16 you had the opportunity because this is where this story on Instagram came because when you're about 16 17 you could go and live on your own if you wanted to you could they'd find you a flat and it'd help your finances. I can't even look after money now. Like I say, I'm 30, I can't even look after money. I'm only 17. I ain't living out on my own somewhere. Um, so I was like, nah, I ain't doing that. So I stayed and stayed and stayed until I possibly had to leave. And I remember being told I had, you know, we were going to put you in a flat. or we're gonna, And I'm, I proper kicked off. And do you know why I kicked off? Because I wanted to go on holiday. Not because I wanted to go live with my dad. I wanted to go on holiday first. And then, then I could go, nope, nope. And I, I was absolutely livid. So I moved in with my dad. Um, and like I say, he, most of the time he was at work and I was at college. So um, that was a very fun experience living with my dad because I'd never obviously, ne- the last time I lived with my dad, I was a kid, you know, so it was more fun then. Whereas when I was like 20, it weren't really fun because... I then had to go, obviously, look for a job and try and earn money and give him some keep and whatever until I met my partner and then I moved to Birmingham and I've been here like nine years now. So, you know, like I said, I've never really, actually, there's never been points where I've had to stay on my own and I knew that I couldn't at 18 go and live out on my own. I just, it terrifies me, absolutely terrified. I was like, no, there's just I couldn't do it my brother and sister did um they went and had the flat when I think they left when they was about 18 17 18 I think um and they had their own flat for a while um and I admired that I couldn't I was just I was too terrified and I had no uh, then I had no real option it weren't like I just could just go and move in with my mum because like I said my mum moved she moved down I think at that point she was she gone over to Ireland, so it weren't like I just pack up my stuff and move to Ireland because, like I say, I didn't really 
and I still don't have always have the best relationship with my mum so it was either that or I lived on my so I had to move in with my dad I had no not many options as such so and that's where the story on Instagram came from because it came from a fact that something about they want um they don't just want children being put into a flat or to a house share or whatever and feel like they're abandoned and that's where that story come from because like I said I'd have I'd had a conversation with a colleague during the evening at work about it um and I just wanted people to know that you know at 18 is there a right time for 18 year olds to be gone living on their own yeah well you know yeah i mean it's i mean it's certainly opened my eyes and again thank you so much for um even though we had technical difficulties it's the beginning my camera wouldn't work so i had to restart my computer and everything and as much as i would like to have blamed you it wasn't the guest's fault this time it was my fault your fault so, mate so there's a first thing for everything <laughs> first time for everything should i say um thanks very much if you are listening or watching please like share and subscribe especially if you're on apple click them stars and um write a review because it does help the podcast yes please please do and go check out um runesilk.com and tenga.co.uk runesilk again is a beard care company tenga.co.uk a sex toy company with both sites your first purchase you get 10 percent off the uh, code tin biscuit capital t capital b so and i use runesilk and it's really good I haven't put any on today, so that's why it looks like a bit of a bird's nest. But apart from that, it does nothing look good. <laughs> yeah, mine does too as well, folks. Yours does, can... yeah. Get 10% off. So, yeah, um, thanks for coming on again. And you're more than welcome to come on any time. Of course. Thank you very much. Right, enjoy your chat with your dad. <laughs> See you later, Thank my you. love. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.